Fair treatment for all has been an American ideal since the beginning. How well are we living up to that admirable ideal? The social protests we're seeing across the country are telling us that we as a people and our institutions can be doing a better job of it. Joining us on the podcast this week is Marsha Tall, CEO of Tall Solutions, and before that, a longtime executive at Citigroup. She's here to tell us more about a new product from her company that's intended to spotlight incidents of bias in banking. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. When people walk into a bank or enter digitally through an app, they expect to be treated fairly. It's not too much to ask, yet the complaint files suggest there may be a gap between the goal and the reality. With us on the podcast this week is Marsha Tall, CEO of Tall Solutions. She's here to tell us more about an AI-based product her company created to identify bias incidents in banking that affect both customers and employees. Marsha, thank you so much for being with us for this important and timely discussion. Thank you, Terry. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk about our work. Uh, before we get into the bias index, could you start by telling us a little bit more about Positivity Tech? Your motto is the science of transforming negatives into positives. So with that in mind, maybe kind of an overview of what the company does, what types of financial customers you work with, and what sorts of negatives you try to turn into positives. The Positivity Tech platform actually powers organizations to treat complaints not as a negative or a drain on their business resources, but a source of information that can create insight and business impact. Most companies approach you know, many types of their data as strategic assets. From my perspective, they consistently overlook customer complaint data, which I think of as an under-leveraged asset. Our AI-powered platform combines human insights and advanced technologies in order for us to uncover those uh, strategic growth and risk management opportunities that are hidden in complaints, specifically uh, providing early warnings of complaints, illuminating pressing pain points, highlighting keywords that can provide meaning into existing complaints, uncovering triggers and recommending actions that focus on key business and risk areas requiring management attention. So with that background in place, let's move on to the bias index, which is a new addition to the positivity tech platform. Marsha, what is the bias index? How does it work? And what sorts of biases does it measure? So I'm just going to provide a bit of context as before I go into the specifics of the bias index. Executives today are facing multiple operational risks, and these risks are really putting a lot of pressure on them and their organizations to address specifically the headwinds on revenue growth, uh, increasing array of risk issues, and specifically public pressure in addressing discriminatory business practices. And our bias index is an AI predictive model that digests the contextual reference of a complaint. And from that reference, it reveals the root of the complaint 
And it allows the institution to focus on, so how do I repair the cause from this complaint? Is it a repair of a product? Is it a repair of an unjust practice? And a lot of those unjust practices can actually have some references to bias. The way we think about bias is in three areas. There's either explicit or overt bias. That's a clear indication that there has been an experience of a bias, and this is actually easiest to identify. There's an implicit or a subtle bias that can suggest that they experienced a bias. And then there's a suggested bias which describes a situation in which a bias could have occurred. This is actually the most difficult to identify. Certainly it's timely given events over the past month and a half or so. I'm guessing this isn't something you just whipped up out of the headlines. Where did the idea for the bias index come from and how long have you been working on it? Yes, it isn't something that we just whipped up. We have been working on it for quite a few months. And actually, the idea comes from the fact that each one of us has faced some unequal treatment in some point of our lives. And it's wrong that discrimination continues to play a role in our banking. For example, in December, the media revealed that a black customer and a black employee at J.P. Morgan Chase were unable to gain access to the same opportunities as their white peers. And as a result, the bank implemented mandatory diversity training and said it would pay more attention to employee complaints. So today, the pandemic is continuing to highlight issues of discriminatory banking practices against minority business owners. So as we started to see not only the recency of events that are taking place in regard to bias and discriminatory practices, we understood that this was something extremely important and something that customers are actually telling us about, oftentimes though indirectly. So I created this bias index because I understand the value of the customer voice data I have experience in the advanced analytics capabilities that are required to extract this kind of intelligence from what the customers are saying. And I think most importantly, I'm passionate about eliminating bias from our institutions. Bias is wrong and there's no place for it in our decision-making processes. You mentioned uh, J.P. Morgan Chase in that example, but how much interest in the bias index are you seeing from banks and credit unions, since, particularly since the subject of inequality has moved on to the front burner as an issue? There's quite a lot of interest, and this is complemented, in fact, by the expansion of all of the diversity and inclusion initiatives that institutions are embedding within their organizations. Institutions today, in particular financial institutions, are seeking to address their company culture, talent, and ensuring that inclusion is basically the driver to their company culture. So for example, recently Nova Credit invited me to speak to their company about the bias index in light of their efforts to build what they're calling an anti-racist culture. And they wanted to learn more about the Positivity Text Platform's analytic approach. In our discussions, we kind of uncovered from both the employee and the customer voices how to use data and analytics to build a better company culture. Why do you think these financial institutions are attracted to the, the bias index? And more importantly, perhaps, what are you giving them that they can't already do for themselves with the data that they already have? Complaints about bias are very small in number. 
and they're very challenging to pinpoint. And oftentimes organizations don't focus on those small volumes of complaints and they also don't have the tools that are required to isolate which complaints are the most severe, potentially have discrimination and miss what I'm terming high-risk customer interactions. The bias index is really a blend of art and science, something that we have really worked on over the years in, in our experiences. And it is really a tool that allows the institutions to focus on the identification and the elimination of bias from not only decision making, but also from various types of practices that they have within the bank. So Marcia, based on the bias index, where in the banking universe is bias most prevalent? And are there parts of the banking world where it's more likely to see explicit bias, for instance, and other areas where, say, implicit or suggested bias is more likely? What's very interesting is that we found by using our bias index that products such as mortgage and auto loans are four times more likely to have bias practices. And we're attributing a lot of this to face-to-face -to -face interactions. So for the parts of the banking institution, their products and their customer interactions that are more face-to-face, -face, there's more of a likelihood, most likely, that bias can be embedded or there's a risk of that within their decision-making. And that can be conscious or unconscious, right? And alternatively, products that have low face-to-face -face interactions, like credit bureau reporting or virtual currency, these show much lower bias scores. So, Terry, as you were just saying, there are certain products that may have a higher tendency or a higher predictability of demonstrating bias practices, but there is also another element. Oftentimes, customers complain, and they're complaining about something that has nothing to do with a bias. However, during the complaint process, a form of bias may present itself. And so that often is something that happens that is um, identified and, again, difficult to isolate. You mentioned bias in lending. You mentioned the, the mortgage products and the auto products. Bias in lending really is not a new issue. If the complaint data is available to banks, why do you think they may not be optimally using it? Is this a, essentially a matter of prioritization? Yeah, so, you know, I just want to make uh, one point first that, you know, lenders and other financial institutions, they actually do use complaint data, but they use it on what I frame a transactional level, right? Financial institutions, they have robust complaint management programs just as part of their workflow management platforms. And that's not what Positivity Tech does. Positivity Tech actually complements this daily resolution process where institutions look to see how their complaints are being resolved. And the way in which we do that is we think about complaints and the actual portfolio of complaints, looking at all of the complaints together holistically, systematically, right? trying to identify patterns and then reframing complaints to derive uh, predictive insights. With our bias index, we're looking at complaints as an overall management tool that has multiple purposes. 
So it can give financial institutions great insights, for example, into their customers or into their employees, into company culture. It can shed light on the different responses that they get from the different surveys or data that they have with their employees. And all of this data, which is basically customer and employee narrative, can be used more holistically and ingested into our platform. The bias index really provides an opportunity to drive cultural change. So, Marcia, I know the, the bias index is still fairly new. So at this point, you're probably focused on the here and now. But looking ahead, how do you see the bias index evolving over time? I mean, how much ambition do you have for it? Terry, I'm so glad you actually chose the word ambition. Uh, it's an important word. And in 2020, um, early 2020, earlier this year, American Express actually partnered with the New York Women's Foundation. They did a global study where they found that many women don't like using the word ambitious to describe themselves. So as a result of that, American Express launched something called the Ambition Project, which was an initiative that was focused on helping women embrace their ambition, follow their dreams, achieve great things. So I feel really proud to say I'm ambitious. And I have a lot of ambition for the bias index and actually for the positivity tech platform more broadly. In framing the opportunities for the bias index, we can think about it in a few ways. First, we can think about it in the context of industry, verticals, right? As we said earlier, bias is universal. Complaints are human nature. And both of these, both bias and complaints, right, are applicable to all industries, even including the public sector. When we think about complaints, we think about complaints that are customer complaints and employee complaints. There can be some overlap, but each one has its own root cause, underlying issues, sets of required actions, and ultimately impact. And lastly, something new that I think is really important is this idea of ethical AI. As we read often about artificial intelligence, we read about artificial intelligence unknowingly adopting biases or prejudices of the humans that are behind it. The bias index is actually demonstrating that we can find ways to harness artificial intelligence to actually uncover pre-existing biases within an organization. We actually have a great deal of ambition and hope for AI as being a way to help us solve bias in a better way, a way that human elements actually can't do. So, Marcia, yeah, you just mentioned, you know, different sources of data. Is the plan down the road to expand your databases? I mean, do you feel like the CFPB data that you're using now gives you enough for what you need for the bias index? Specifically, I'm thinking about data from the SBA or other regulatory agencies out there that probably have things as well, maybe the Better Business Bureau or, or whomever? Yes. So we use the CFPB data specifically because it's an open source database. It's filled with customer narratives. And that's how we developed and validated all of our capabilities, both technically, statistically, and also bringing it to the market to make sure that there was an interest. We also validated our scores as, by example, using Better Business Bureau data. And we recognize that other regulatory agencies also have rich data. 
However, when we think about the Positivity Tech platform and the bias index, it's really, in, in terms of infrastructure, it's a scalable solution that can ingest any type of data, structured or unstructured, and was specifically designed for financial institutions' proprietary data. What we really want to do is score the bias index using a financial institution's proprietary data so that it will be relative to the complaints, the whole set of complaints that an institution is receiving. So going back to the idea that bias is not a new observation within financial institutions, how much do you think you're telling banks that they don't already know or, or at least suspect about their culture based on the complaints that they're getting every day? Or is there potential for them to have kind of an aha moment, something that they maybe didn't perceive about themselves? Well, I think that financial institutions suspect that they have issues. They worry about them. Sometimes they've been caught off guard, right, through the media, through regulatory scrutiny. Some of these cases are unique and individual, and sometimes they really are indicative of a systemic problem. And I just don't think yet that the institutions have built the specific tools the analytic tools that can be integrated with their management practices to home in specifically on bias. So now with the bias index, financial institutions have an opportunity. They can identify, understand, predict, and prevent this kind of systemic discrimination in their institutions, and they can do so by using their own customer narratives. And I'd like to say again that complaints about bias are small in number. Finding them is very challenging because bias is rarely explicit or overt. Yet finding them, isolating them, and creating ways to prevent them is critical. And reminding us that one bad complaint can end up on the first page of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, as we've seen, and that is problematic. So based on what you know, Marcia, from the results of the bias index and from your experience in the industry, is there a first step or a, a key move or key moves that financial institutions should be taking to promote diversity and inclusion, both internally and in their dealings with the public? Yeah, so I think, you know, oftentimes we talk about flipping the script on complaints. What does that really mean? It means that we and institutions really need to start approaching complaints as strategic intelligence right, the ability to use our complaints beyond uh, managing complaints for resolution, but rather looking at them for ways to highlight risks and understanding that complaint language and the voice of customers, what they're actually saying can be used to predict future issues. I think when we think about employees, right, and diversity, um, we should really look to make sure that our employee base represents the diversity of our customers. We also should be looking at our employees to say, can you build task forces? Can you kind of isolate and address ideas that can, you know, really impact significant challenges that we as an organization have? And I think as an institution, we understand that we receive input from our customers and our employees, but who are the ones that are not giving us input? Who are the ones that are not responding? We should start thinking about that a little bit more. And lastly, I would say, 
that we need to ensure that our leaders, our leadership embraces diversity and inclusion, that they're looking to get ahead of issues that will really prevent inclusion from being uh, essential and core to their organization's culture. And at the end of the day, that an organization's culture truly reflects its values, its mission, and actually represents all of the communities of all of its stakeholders. Marsha Tal, CEO of Tal Solutions, we really appreciate you making the time to be with us today and for sharing your insights with us. Thank you, Terry. I really enjoyed the opportunity to share our work with you, and I look forward to being able to speak with you again in the future. A few takeaways from today's podcast with Marsha Tal. Analysis using the bias index identified areas in banking where bias may be more prevalent. Mortgage and auto loans, for instance, generate an above average number of bias complaints. The people at Positivity Tech believe this is due to more face-to-face interactions between lender and would-be borrower for those types of loans. Their analysis shows that areas with less face-to-face contact produce fewer bias complaints. So those above average products may be a good starting point for reviewing internal practices. Her view is that banks tend to treat complaints as discrete transactional issues. They might better view them as valuable intelligence that can reveal problematic aspects of a bank's business culture and perhaps foretell future risks. Bias complaints can come both externally from customers and internally from employees. And with diversity and inclusion now top tier issues across the industry, banks may be well served by thinking about how bias related scenarios reflect their success in living up to their mission and their values. And finally, Focus management and effective tools can be combined in ways that help identify systemic bias tendencies within institutions, banks included. And once identified, the priority can shift to eradicating existing problems and preventing new ones from taking root. Bias complaints may represent only a small percentage of the total complaints that a bank receives, but don't let that relative rarity overshadow the potential impact. Thanks again for listening to this week's BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Join us next time for more insights on issues important to the financial services industry.